All right, guys, welcome back to the Turn Time podcast. It's been a little while. Um, you'd think that in quarantine, I'd be a lot more productive and get a lot of these uh, out, but the opposite has occurred, and uh, I've not been as active on the podcast as I would like to be, but we're back, and we've got a fun episode. Um, I brought in a really, really good friend of mine, and we're going to talk about music, probably the first time I've really talked about music on this podcast, and uh, so we want to welcome to the show Anthony Perez. How are you doing today, Anthony? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing good. Just staying alive, man. Staying alive. <laughs> staying alive uh, for uh, all uh, this. Ah, uh, staying alive. Yeah, that's great right. Song, great song. Yeah, it's a good segue to the music category of this podcast, I think. Exactly. <laughs> I was singing the same thing. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, you're, you're up in Austin right now, right? Yes. Yes. Staying alive in the, in the weird city, man. Oh my god. Did goodness. you guys get, get hit by any kind of crazy weather last night or did it kind of blow by you too? Uh, I think so. I, I apparently there was, dude. I I've slept like I think 5000 hours in the last week. Something <laughs> my, like that. Yeah. My dad my dad uh called me this morning. He's like, "Hey, uh heard like a tornado <laughs> just kind of swept by your whole neighborhood this morning." I'm like, are you, "Are you okay?" What? I'm like, I'm "Like I wouldn't have known, dude. My girl <laughs> my girlfriend and I, we sleep through we will sleep through like Armageddon, like nuclear fallout. I think we'll Dude, I respect that. Yeah, you know, nothing nothing's going to get past my beauty sleep, man. I got to stay pretty all the time. That's how we make money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. I I wasn't woken up by anything last night i did hear i think out west a little bit further they got some hail but other than that I think oh my we were god much, i think we were passed over so that <laughs> i was didn't nice. see anything i woke up this morning the birds were chirping sun's yeah, out oh, i took Feeling my good i took my dog out and it e- looks easter beautiful. morning yeah easter and, morning my dude. <laughs> exactly you know we've risen we've we've all risen oh my goodness but I, amen, yeah amen amen brother <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is not actually not a, uh, yeah. a gospel podcast. <laughs> so this but... is a, this is an InfoWars uh, spinoff. <laughs> Alex Jones-style alt-right uh, podcast. No, to get no, more no, no, it is not. I, I'm going to bleep that out. I'm going to have to censor that. Okay, anyway, back to the topic. Um, yeah, anyway, Anthony and I, uh, we go back a little ways. Yes, uh, yes. Go back, probably... We're going on 10, maybe a little bit over 10 years now at this point. Yeah. Uh, freshman year of high school, um, marching band together all throughout high school, good yeah. friends, stayed good friends since then. Yeah. Um, and we've just have, you know, have a lot of the same interests and stuff, music, sports, spurs, yeah, um, all that good stuff. So happy Gosh. to have you here. We've, the, the biggest reason probably I brought you on here is because we have a lot of shared music experience. Yes. Too. Yes. I was about um, to agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's and as I mentioned at at the top, um, we were talking a little bit about music, uh, more specifically, uh, the rock genre in the 21st century, and kind of what brought this on. I've been thinking about doing something like this for a while, actually. Um, I wasn't sure whether it was going to be something I wrote or did on a podcast or whatever. But the thing that kind of spurred it all recently was um, a tweet that got sent out a couple weeks ago. Now, one of the writers at the Ringer website we all, we, we both follow pretty well. Um, anyway, he, he sent out a tweet. It was Sean Fennessy. He tweeted out something about mm-hmm. Coldplay, saying like, right. "At what point during the, during this quarantine are we going to start talking about you know where where Coldplay's at among <laughs> like the best bands of the century, or right? Whatever, right?" And it was kind of sarcastic, but at the right. same time, like I thought about it and I was like, "Wait, like Coldplay is actually like you know a big deal, like." They've been able to stay consistent. Like, they're one of the biggest right. bands of the century, for sure. Empirically and so it speaking, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so it kind of got me thinking, like, you know, what 
you know, what really do, what, what does the rock scene look like? Like, who are the big bands that when we look back, you know, 10, 20 years from now, who are people going to think of? And is rock even going to be a thing then? Because I think all we all know that uh, popular music as it stands today does not necessarily include a lot of rock music like it might have for sure 20, 30, 40 years ago. For sure. Absolutely. Hey, um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what spurred it on. Um, and then more recently, we there was this challenge going around Facebook and we it was a challenge to post like your 10 uh, most influential albums that are albums that have influenced your life. Um, and so we'll talk about that a little bit more later on, but just a couple of different things kind of made me start, you know, the, the wheels start turning in my head, thinking about rock, thinking about music, thinking about, Hey, you know, why isn't it bigger in today's world? So that's what we're talking about today. Where does rock stand? Where has it gone in this century and kind of what effect has it had in our lives? So uh, yeah, stay tuned. It should be a good one guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, so, you know, maybe to, to kick things off, um, like I mentioned, we have some shared experiences in music. Um, and to, to start off, I want to go through some concerts that we've both been to. I know you've probably been to way more concerts right. than I have. We definitely you were shared like, some concerts together, too. For sure, for sure. And you, you definitely helped me. I mean, you, you and your dad are, you know, very uh, cultured, you know, music, big, big time music fans. And you introduced me to a lot of music and kind of got me out of my house a little bit more to go to concerts, you know, whether it be in Austin or, or wherever, uh, mostly in Austin, I guess, because that's where a lot of the, the bands that we were interested in came to when we were in high school. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, just off the, top, off the top of my head, the ones I could think of that we went together were The, uh, the Killers yeah. at, at South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, The Strokes. The Strokes, strokes at South by Southwest. Yeah. The, the Killers, our senior year of high school. Went and saw the Temper Trap, who um, I'll talk a little bit more about later. I'll, obviously, we'll talk about all these bands later right. on. But just off the top, those are the kinds of ones I, I've thought of. Um, who were some, some maybe some concerts that you saw early on or some experiences that you can remember? Maybe not necessarily with me, but influential concerts right. for you. I think definitely that Strokes concert for sure. Uh, number one, I think it was the first time I think we went to a concert together. I, I think. Uh, yeah. For yeah. Sure, for I, sure. uh, it was that, that one weekend we were just seeing like a bunch of free shows for South By. I th it was a weird weekend too. It was just a bunch of random free bands. I think Counting Crows. I think we saw, which you know yeah. definitely touched uh, touched some heartstrings for my dad, who's like you know he's really into <laughs> that '90s singer songwriter type of music. And then um, then we saw the Strokes literally the next day, which is absolutely like for some for a band that big to to just play a show for free like that, especially for us. I thought that was absolutely astronomical in terms of just the, the the crowd that was there and i think that just their presence i was just like oh my god we're actually here seeing them just for free oh my goodness and then i yeah it, it was yeah, yeah. For, go, go ahead Sorry. oh yeah and then, and then like the cult which is like a 1980s relic yeah. which is so weird <laughs> such like a hodgepodge weekend but yeah it, it was crazy just seeing the strokes live which is awesome but uh so if yeah I, if i'm not mistaken i think so we went to South by Southwest twice together. Yes. I think it was once our sophomore year, once our junior year. Yeah. And I think the, yeah. the first year was the Strokes. Yes. But I think, I don't, I think it wasn't until the following year that we went and saw, I think it was the Counting Crows and then the Shins. Yes. Remember the Shins played? Yes. And then I think it was the Colt. So I think the Strokes were a different year, but I can't remember if we saw anybody else the same year as the Strokes. I, for some reason, hmm. my, my, my memory's a little more foggy then. Right. I know one of the two years we... We were walking down Sixth Street during South by Southwest, and we saw Jack uh, Jack White yeah, playing like a, performing in, yeah. in like a small venue, but we couldn't get in because it was already packed and you needed to pass. Yeah, so we like watched. Yeah. We like we saw his back, like the back of his head, 
as he was playing like the end of his set from the street. So nuts, <laughs> man. So I, I, it was such a cool week. I, I, cause I, cause I remember it pretty foggy too. I, I think, I think the shins and the strokes were two separate years. Cause I don't think they exist in the same right. weekend. Cause it was, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I, I remember the shins for sure. I just don't remember any other bands that we saw. And I think I want to say that it was the cult and the strokes on the same weekend. Cause I, I think we left. The, that, would, that, yeah. would, that would make more sense. Right. Right. Cause they were just kind of picking and choosing the, the types of genres that were, that were opening up that weekend. Um, but yeah, I remember and that then, Jack White show. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we were just after, after that weekend, we were like, we should just kind of just walk around the neighborhood and see what else is going on. Cause it was just South by at the time South by was, was more, uh, it was more cherished in the local community for sure. I think just a lot of people just experiencing it together. Um, so a lot, so a lot of more bands were coming out because of that attraction. And I think Jack White being there was, I think just icing on the cake for that weekend and just us kind of yeah, experiencing no, that. Sure. Oh my God. Yeah, no, it was, it was like unreal. And I, I remember his, his third man records, uh, van was parked outside of the venue. <laughs> I, I saw the van and I was like, Wait yeah, man. I recognize the logo. I recognize the name. Like. He's got to be around Serious? somewhere. Oh my and sure enough, he was, yeah. he was inside. Oh, my gosh. It just oh, sucked man. because I th- we then, were both like 16 at the time. <laughs> my dad my dad right, was right. so adamant about, let's go on 6th Street. We're, it's like, I don't know if anyone, <laughs> you know, for people who haven't been on 6th Street, it's just a desolate fallout land of just drunkards and, you know, vigilantes. <laughs> but uh, And then just us like as 16-year-olds who have just have experienced none of this. It's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just want to see the music, please. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. seriously. No, it was was definitely an eye-opening experience for me. Yeah, yeah. But I I also remember um, when the the Colt played, whichever year it was, um, Matthew McConaughey (laughs) came in and played bongo (laughs) during their set. Oh, my gosh. Legendary moment. Yeah, I mean, like a totally McConaughey thing. And this was, I think, at the time of the the McConaughey's. This is when he just uh, came out with True Detective. And that that became a smash hit. And then he won an Oscar for uh, Dallas Buyers Club. And I I think (laughs) he was just riding high. It was riding high. He's like, oh, yeah. I don't think a bongo shtick can can take me down. I'm Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. But he's just he's no, just effervescent, man. He's ethereal in, in the Austin community. He just he just a puff of smoke appears and he and he arrives. He just he's yeah. And then just to cap off the celebrity sighting segment, I I don't know who was playing, but it was during the day. I think it was like before the Counting Crows set, and we saw Rooney Mara. Yes. The actress. Yes. She was she was like like honestly probably like ten yards from where we right. were at, but there was like a there was like a fence between us and the VIP section, and she was just chilling there. Like I have a picture of her like in my whatever camera I was using yeah. at the time. Um, like she was just right in front of us. I was like, oh hey, and she had just been in like the social network and dragon and, uh, dead girl girl, girl dragon, dragon tattoo. tattoo. Yeah, exactly. So she was that was like right at the height of her popularity too. So super super crazy South by Southwest. Yeah, and if you want to. A fun uh, <laughs> pop culture music celebrity. Experience. Yeah, it's it's really it's really and like and like that kind of brings the topic of you know sad that these things aren't going on right now. Obviously, yeah. um, South by was one of the first things to get canceled because it was like that first week of um, like when the whole Rudy Gobert stuff went down. For sure, so. I th- I think it just all happened at the same time. It was it's just so funny how it turned out. Uh, one of our friends uh, was staying with us at the time to work at South by Southwest, and. 
and oh, we were just seeing everything in real time happen. Like, oh, maybe we might cancel it. Oh, we're actually canceling. Oh, we're laying off everybody. Oh, <laughs> we might we might do something different with South by. And it's just so crazy, man, because that's that's a lot of people's that's a lot of people's livelihoods. It's a lot of people's ex- cultural experiences. That's like thousands of people that were going to stimulate the the city in more ways than one. But it just it just didn't turn out to be. I mean, and rightfully so. It just it's been a weird time, I think, for everybody. But it just it's just so crazy to see oh, to think sure. that it's it just not going to happen this year because that's just when you think of Austin, that, that's a cultural mainstay, just South by Southwest. And just all the music that comes to the city and, and revives it on a yearly basis. But just so weird. So weird. Just imagining it not happening, you know? No, for sure. For sure. And I feel like, you know, as, as we talk about these rock concert experiences, I, I feel like maybe more than any other popular genre, like rock really depends. I mean, everybody dep- depends on uh, ticket right. sales and like concert right. revenue and stuff. But I feel like for rock, especially because it's not like it's not on the radio mm-hmm. a lot. It's not, you know, it's not on TikTok. It's not on like these like popular like music sites or whatever that they really depend on the on the revenue from their concerts and from their tours. And like, you know, it's kind of scary. That's not happening right now. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully, it, you know, this quarantine and stuff causes people to take a look back and, and reflect, you know, appreciate, you know, what, what what music they do have, you know, whether it be, you know, through an actual album or on Spotify or if they look up the concert yeah. on YouTube, like. You know, hopefully people can take this time to, you know, recognize what we got and not take it for, for granted and find other ways to appreciate and, you know, pay or, you know, help these artists get recognized. The ones right. That I totally sure. agree. And I think you're absolutely right. In terms of the rock genre, a lot of these bands are relying on events like South by to happen for them so they can at least break out into the scene or at least make some kind of revenue, a revenue because that's a that's a pinpoint in their in their financial careers to make this successful for, the, for themselves, or at least for a lot of bands, for a lot of just underground people wanting to make a name for themselves in the rock genre. And it's kind of hard when those things don't happen. And especially something like this, it's totally unprecedented, but it's just, yeah, it's, just, it's crazy to see how rock artists and, and rock bands will adapt in this, this era. And, and you can already see it. I think a lot of groups and indie artists are just going to Instagram live or just, other outlets to kind of to to, mm, to yeah. thrive, you know so crazy no for sure for sure it'll be really interesting to see how people adapt and how i mean every, everything that depends on you know live gatherings is, is going to be sure. changing over the next for year sure. so it'll be fascinating to see how that all happens but um but yeah i mean we talked about that that stroke show is you know i think for both of us being like a pretty influential moment as like in early in our in our music fandom but i was i was thinking back actually even before that um this group's gonna come up later as i mentioned uh, the list of 10 albums but i saw the all-american oh, Jack, yeah um when i was in <laughs> i want to say seventh grade seventh or eighth grade they came to mix fest which was the 96.1 oh like, my gosh fest that they do every like, every spring and it was it was on cinco de mayo it was actually yeah. super dope they, it was on cinco de mayo down at the hemisphere park and they they came out in like sombreros and ponchos <laughs> and just started started playing it was actually like it was a pretty dope it was really it's like really right. set but middle school uh middle school caleb was just you know loving it i, I love the american rejects and like all that pop punk all right stuff like from like fifth, fifth grade until like high school the so angsty was, area like, really early influential experiences and then even before that when i was in elementary school 
my mom took me to a Sting concert <laughs> because my dad had to go out of town last minute. So I, I was, Sting. I, I, don't, I don't even like remember what songs he played or anything because I was just like, I was so bored and I was like sitting like on the ground the whole time, not even paying yeah. attention. Um, but I did my first concert technically was Sting. So right. I, I kind of have concerts like that too. And speaking of all American rejects, I've actually seen them twice. By accident, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> and honestly, by accident, okay. Amazing, amazing, amazing concert. I, I so I the first time I saw them, I saw them for free. They were they were playing in San Antonio. It was I think it was a, a Coca Cola Fest. Coca Cola like used to do like the these concerts, or it was probably for the Final Four. I don't know what event it was for, okay. but they were doing yeah. free shows for the weekend. And it was I remember it was uh, three doors down. Uh, all American Rejects and Taylor Swift, oh, like of, of yeah. oh. <laughs> it was the the Holy Triumvirate. You know what I'm saying? It just the the, the big three <laughs> of musical culturalites. You know, it just the, the big three of sixth right. grade. The big three of sixth grade. Three doors down, number one for sure. <laughs> no, but I saw I saw All American Rejects, and I thought they were an absolutely amazing show. I think Tyson Ritter is the, the oh my dude, yeah, that I, guy's crazy I, in terms of just just stage presence which blew my mind and yeah. then i saw him again um at uh it was at warp tour i think one of the last warp tours i went to in i think eighth grade oh. <laughs> warp tour i think was just like the culmination of just all my my angsty eighth grade uh music taste you know just the whole emo scene yeah. and just and then and then all american rejects was just in the middle of just like the the closer for the warp tour i think i thought that was just awesome but yeah, they're they're a great show. I, I always I never admit how much I love All American Rejects, but I love All American Rejects because I know I know every song. I know every song that comes up. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. And like, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're just like a fun band, you know. Like they they come out that they've got energy, they got right. catchy lyrics and stuff. So you know, I think. But it's it's interesting because you know as we talk about that, I think we're gonna we're gonna go into this a little bit more as we go. But they were kind of like one of the first bands um to kind of get into like the pop pop punk like right. pop rock kind of thing right like start, starting with like green like, day 82 and then from right on, it got like more and more right. pop infused and, and and then that that ends up you know to where we are now with imagine dragons or maroon yeah. five like you know the, the the really you know it's not even crossover at this point it's like it's pop music with like right exactly cars, right? where that's um, just the secondary aspect of the of the music you know exactly but, exactly um, but you know, wh- while we're back in our back in time and in, in middle school, uh, let's go ahead and start. You know, looking back at how we formed our our current listening habits, what kind of chapters we might have gone through in our listenership. I, I know you put some other concerts and some bucket list things on here. We can we can yeah. go back to that at the yeah. end, maybe, um, as we talk about you know kind of summarize and and look at rock as a whole. But let's go through kind of our history Absolutely. real quick, um, and just kind of yeah, like I guess what kind of journey you've had going through uh through rock and maybe beyond yeah rock. absolutely i think as a kid uh my uh, my dad definitely had like oh i know yeah they, they finally coming. caught me uh <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has to be cut short uh, they, they finally got me no but uh no but yeah i think that uh my dad had a big influence on what my music tastes were like especially at an early young age he he gave me a lot of his records of what he listened to back when he was a kid. And a lot of it was just all the, the, the classic stuff, you know, just Pink Floyd, Black Sabbath, um, uh, Led Zeppelin, mm. Jimi Hendrix, just all that stuff. So that's what I was yeah. uh, brought up on early on. 
as I got older, I was listening to a little more contemporary rock. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers was a big one, I think, for me when I was growing up. We'll talk about them later. I, I included them in my my top ten albums. But uh, but yeah, that's mainly what I was listening to. I listened to a little bit of Green Day for sure when I was growing up too. But then in the mid two thousands, as I was getting older, going into middle school and high school. I was looking back on the mid two thousands indie rock rush, and I think I think you've experienced this as well. Mm. I think a, a lot of the bands that influenced you influenced me as well, where there was just a big influx of just bands that had a very punk uh, fundamental sound, but converted it to a very modern uh, rock tempo and beat and, and feel. So uh, the the bands that I'm mentioning, the Strokes. Uh, the Killers, Arctic Monkeys, Interpol, they all kind of came out at the same time. They all had generally this this relative sound of just fast pace, uh, great guitar riffs and bass and drums. And they all just all culminated at the same time. And I thought that was just really cool uh, for the genre to have. Because at the time, I think going into the 90s and the early 2000s, you, you saw that paradigm shift of just rock becoming the secondary to... Uh, contemporary or mainstream hip hop, right? Because at the time, Jay Z and, and Kanye were were ruling the the forefront of of modern music and, and radio music. But while this was happening, you saw Strokes and the White Stripes in two thousand one, Interpol, Black Keys, and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs at in two thousand two, and then between like two thousand three to two thousand six, just everyone breaks out just the raconteurs arctic monkeys the killers franz ferdinand all these guys that that took uh honestly the the british rock scene and made it and brought it to the american radio wave and i thought that was just that kind of basically shaped and molded what my music tastes were like um going into college and up until honestly up until like my senior year of high school and college i just i never listened to a lot of hip-hop because I was honestly skewed by what I what I thought was hip hop and, and R and B in the mainstream. Because in the mid two thousands, the the big guy was Jay Z. I think that that was just had a stranglehold on the industry, and his the bling the bling rapper I think wasn't my cup of tea at the time. You know, as a, as a kid, because I couldn't right. relate. But uh, but uh, I think with all that rock, I I was just so enveloped in what was going on in that scene that I just didn't really uh, care to listen to hip hop and then and then as I got into college as the rock scene died down a little bit I was able to kind of broaden my horizons with R&B old school 90s rap like Tribe Called Quest uh, the Wu-Tang Clan Tupac and then I just and now currently I've definitely softened a little bit with my R&B taste like i have uh, anderson pock and erica badu always on on loop and then d'angelo mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where it's it's kind of come where there's like a rock had a parabola of sorts in, in terms of my uh of my uh my listen and my my listening habits for sure for sure and i, f- I feel like um your your experience and like your journey is like you know pretty similar to what a lot of people went through um especially yeah. our age and, uh, you know, just maybe because I, I know I've certainly, you know, I, I relate to a lot of things you just talked about, you know, being more into, uh, you know, having the classics. Obviously, uh, my dad showed me, you know, 70s, 80s classic rock, 
he he was really into um and and this kind of explains you know why i had a little bit more of alternative taste maybe but he was more into like, yeah. the 80s yeah. new wave type stuff like the uh the police um and, For and sure. a lot more of that kind of stuff talking heads maybe a little bit um and so but nonetheless we i obviously heard all, all the classics that you mentioned as well and then it seems to me like uh early like early 2000s there was almost like this split where up until that point it had been whatever like the popular rock music was was also like the correctly right. acclaimed rock music but but it split in the early 2000s where the popular rock music like Blink right to green day uh all american rejects three doors down you know what you can go go down a list and you know we we could be here forever yeah. there's a million of them yeah maroon five right um those kind of split off and while those were the things you heard on the radio there was like this right. whole other world going on um there was there was the strokes there was arctic monkeys franz ferdinand interpol like you mentioned right um and so it's kind of fascinating to me there was that split and there's almost it's almost like there's two rock exactly. genres going on at once and it even split it split off into more than that obviously as the years went on but you know as to take to look at it from a, ma- a macro level right there was kind of those those two those that right. split in the in the road um and as as you got older you know you realized it, for me it was my like, uh, freshman year of high school um went to com arts where there were a lot of you know hipster type you right. know, for, for <laughs> lack of a better term right um and and i and i realized you know i realized there was music beyond exactly. what i heard on the radio um i and, and it helps that at that time you know you could you could get get music on itunes you could buy different singles you, and then spotify was starting up there soon after so you could you could really delve into different genres and you could go back and yeah. listen to a lot of different stuff whereas before that you were kind of limited to whatever was available in your yeah. house or on the radio um and so at, at that it was at that point kind of like you mentioned you know that i started to kind of switch switch roads i switched the other side with with more you know critically acclaimed type stuff you know the pitch right. best new music type stuff um so i, I think that, that's super fascinating that there was that split and just kind of what, yeah. what it's led to i today. think we were both lucky and in, in the we were products of our environment because you're absolutely right i think the 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 high school that we went to gave us a whole bunch of people that were listening to a bunch of different stuff at the same time. And I think that just a, a lot of people that right. we looked up to and that we kind of just went to school with were listening to all these different things. Whereas me coming from San Antonio, I just, there wasn't, and both of us coming from San Antonio, we didn't have a lot of stuff or at least a lot of radio stations that um, were able to, to broadcast and showcase any of these kinds of bands up until the, the the friends that we knew were listening to that kind of stuff, which was really cool in the day that that was already happening at a young age for us. And I think that opened up a lot of my music taste for sure, because, you know, at when going, coming out of middle school, you know, all you know is like Green Day and Blink-182, you think you know it all. And then in high school, you're meeting all these people exactly. like, oh, you haven't listened to this album? Like, check this out. And that just kind of blows your mind with, a whole bunch of stuff. Actually, the reason I went to, I listened to Ar- Arctic Monkeys was one of our, uh, I think our mutual, one of our mutual band uh, friends from high school would just like gave us a CD by accident. We, we ended up, my dad and I popped it in the, the radio. It was the first Arctic Monkeys album, you know, and I and just kind of just absolutely <laughs> blew my whole perspective on what rock was supposed to sound like, in my opinion. And then just, uh, we'll talk about that later, but I just thought it was just so cool how, the the area that that we kind of uh, grew up in that we just kind of uh, matured in gave us this whole perspective of our uh, music taste, which is so cool. No, for sure, for sure. And just just going back to the Arctic Monkeys for a second, that 
to to my grave will be one of my biggest regrets. <laughs> I didn't go to that show with you. In Austin, oh my gosh! Black Heat show. Oh my. like, I would pay. I would pay so much money if I could go back in time to that show. So, right now, so oh. I've seen them a handful of times. I think now, I've seen them a total of five times since my my sophomore year of high wow. school, and I think that that was probably the best show that I think that I've been to. Cause at the time I think that they, they introduced their new album. Uh, it was, it was like 2014. Mm. I think it was, um, what album was it? Yeah. That's right. Cause you, you, you went to one of his first shows when you had the new, like, yeah. Uh, so that's the, that's the book. person I was introduced to at the time. And so, um, uh, uh, and then AM comes out, and then the he t- they they tour with right. the Black Keys, and I'm like this guy, <laughs> like the, I what I've heard, like this guy looks was probably looking like Johnny Rotten, Sex Pistols with the way that they sound, and then he comes <laughs> right. out with his pompadour, I'm like just with a leather jacket, and they're all looking like they came out of the, <laughs> the Outsiders extras, or they looked like they came out of uh, West Side Story, yeah, and uh, and yeah, I, dude, it just absolutely blew my mind as this, like a 15, 16 year old kid just like seeing the sound and seeing how like they could take these different sounds from, from old, old seventies punk rock and, and alternative rock and make it into a modern sound that, that sounds fresh, you know? And I, I thought that was, I thought that was so cool. And I, to this day, it's like one of the coolest concerts I've been to. And then one, the, the their first albums definitely, you know, up there for me in the upper echelon. Oh, totally, totally. Um, yeah, and it, it's kind of funny, like, I don't know what it is about England or, like, bands that come from England, but it's, like, I don't know if we listen to them because they're from England or just, like, they are they are just cooler and, like, they have better right. music. Too. I don't know what it is, but, like, it, it, it seems like dating back to, like, the 60s and 70s, I mean, right. the, the Beatles, you know, like, come on, like, they all come from England. Honestly, I don't know what yeah. it is. And then yeah, it's funny because uh, the, uh, the, ki- right. the, the Killers – they they were popular in England way before yeah. they were popular here, and it, it's it's like uh, it's like what like what do they have like what's so cool about England? Right? I'm like, telling you, man, the last there. L that England's took was the American Revolution, I think, and then since then they've been <laughs> yeah straight yeah, dubs. They've just been carrying dubs <laughs> as a as a franchise dynasty country, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and just you know, forget Brexit. For you know, that's just all you know. That's all nonsense. That's all just semantics. They've been making, they've been bringing out the best rock bands since like the, since 2000, since the, since 2000, I think even in, yeah, now that you mentioned England, I think there was also like another wave going on across the sea where the Fratellis were, were pretty, were pretty famous. I think uh, the Libertines were also really good as well. Um, Kaiser Chiefs, right. I think were from the UK too. And I thought that they came out around the same time as the Strokes and and the Maximo Park is this, is is also another great band that came out during the same time. I just that sound definitely was was gravitating towards a lot of really cool bands that were coming out at the time. They adopted those fundamentals from the old seventies British rock, and then made it into a, a new millennial, new generation uh, indie sound that I think just a lot of bands uh, adapted to. And then just kind of made their own, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, there, it, it, there, there's, there's like a certain element to rock music that like, and I think the same applies to, yeah, to hip hop too. Like, there's, you gotta have like that, that cool factor like outside of your music. You actually have to like right. be the person, right? You can't, you can't, you can't just have the music. You gotta yeah. have the personality behind it too. So there's like, there's yeah. just so much that goes with that. But hey, before we get to our the list that we're gonna share, I want to actually jump over that real quick. And while we're on the topic of like the these bands and you know who we've been into, who has been underrated, who's been overrated, let's go ahead and ask that question and talk about you know some of these groups. I know you've got some some good notes down here. Um, so yeah, I, I guess the, the 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 big question is um, who are some bands that have been big this century but you don't like, right. for example. Or maybe you don't understand why they've been big. Um, that kind of goes back to that split where, you know, there were certain bands that hit the radio and some that didn't. So what was it about those bands that hit the radio that made them so popular? And why didn't I like them as right. much when I got older? Um, and then which ones are overrated? Which ones might be underrated possibly as well and should have gotten that attention? Should have been Right, right. I think I guess we'll start with the ones that I don't quite understand. But I also and I guess in retrospect, I, I can I can get now is I, Imagine Dragons was a big fan for me that that came out like between like the late 2000s to early teens that 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 definitely right. gained some momentum on the radio on their radio presence and a lot of places um, they came out with a handful of albums that in my opinion definitely veered away from the genre of rock but was considered a rock album and it I think what you were talking about mm. earlier definitely encapsul- encapsulates what they, they really are, is that they just have instruments in the background, but there's definitely that pop uh, genre, and there's that, there's that pop element that really drives the songs forward. And I, I think there was a lot of bands uh, that followed Imagine Dragons at the time to have that model of, all right, we're going to have instruments in here, but we're just going to have a more, we're going to have a 120 tempo and just have, Nice, catchy beats, have a good chorus mm. that follows the mode of, of selling albums, you know? And I, I understand that as an adult, where you, have to, you have to sell units and you have to push the brand forward. But at the time, especially as a young, young adult and a young kid, I was like, oh, this, I, don't know about, I don't know about this sound. I, I, just, I never really thought of them as a rock band, but a lot of big big wigs in the music industry consider them a rock a rock band i just never understood that at the time as a as a young adult just listening to that on the radio and and listening to what rock was in my opinion and what i've been listening to uh prior to that but it just it was just so weird to me how their eruption came about uh yeah yeah for sure for sure and and like you know for me you know i I, I right. found their songs catchy, for example. Like, I enjoyed listening to a few of them, but but I agree, you know, that it got to a point, especially with some of their later albums, where you're like, wait a second, you know, you, you listen to this, the song like Thunder, for example, right. Right, that, that was all over the place. Like, that doesn't right. sound like a rock song. Um, and then it, it's really interesting because, you know, you think about Imagine Dragons, one of the most popular, not, not only popular rock yeah, bands, but most popular sure. artists um, of, of the last decade. Um, and, and for sure, you know, one of the most well-known quote-unquote rock bands yet they've right. never had a number one song on on the, on the on the billboard hot 100 so i went through and one of the first things i did when i was you know start pre- preparing for this podcast was going through to look you know okay you know from from my perspective you know just like ballparking it like without even doing research like it doesn't seem to me like there's really been any popular rock music it, it went from 
from the popular rock music being a right. little bit less critically acclaimed so to there really not being any popular rock music at all. So I went back this, this past decade from 2011 to 2019. There were there were four, sorry, three bands that had number one songs on the on the Hot 100: Maroon Five, Fun, and the what? Jonas Brothers. Jonas Brothers was um, categorized as a rock group. Well, to be fair, I I rock on forever, rock baby. Group. Like Jonas Bros. They, 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 they were they were they were right. they, they were the closest thing like in the year 2019 they were they were like one of the only groups quote unquote and right like they and they have guitars right like so the, i i think that you could tell you could you know categorize them yeah, as like sure. pop rock or whatever and and um, yeah but i just thought it was interesting and then from the years from the year 2013 to 2017 not a single rock band wow. had a number one song going through all the different wow. weeks not a single one so 20, 2011 was Maroon 5, right. 2012 was Fun with, um, what tonight, was their big one? Uh, we Are uh, Young. I can't remember what yeah. it was called. Yeah, Tonight, Tonight, yeah, that was it. And then 2018 had Maroon 5, wow. 2019 Jonas Brothers. But for a five-year period there, there wasn't even a single band that had, that had a number one song. So then it brings the question, you know, it's like, okay, not only is there not critically acclaimed rock music that's popular, there's really just not even pop- right. popular rock music at all. Um, that was just kind of like a, a moment of realization for me where I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it is dying is, is you know, I like the big question right. is rock dead, right? It's, we'll talk about that a little more, but. And I then really, I really think with those groups too, that, is, that you mentioned, Maroon 5, Imagine Dragons and Jonas and the Jonas Bros. Uh, I, I, I never see them as a, somebody I want to experience or like I can see in a concert and experience quality rock music where i can see them in in like a verizon commercial or like (laughs) i can hear them in like a a chevy commercial you know Uh, it's just a lot of their music is has a kind of adapted to to the market and and what like rock is quote unquote supposed to sound like and and how pop rock is supposed to be and and i think a lot of these bands have, have kind of have folded to the to the fact of just selling them the units because i think um, Imagine Dragons was the highest grossing rock band of the decade, but as you mentioned, they don't even have a single song oh, that, yeah. that breaks the top ten or number or hits number one, which I, I think right. which speaks volumes to, right. to quality over quantity. You know, I, I just I think a lot of the the bands that make that follow this mode are pretty ubiquitous, and and then and then they don't make the same kind of content as they would as a like a regular rock band would, you know, which is. Which is crazy. I just I never understood that, you know, as as a as a young kid. But you know, looking back as an, as an adult, like, oh, well, it, they just have a, a model to follow, you know. Right, right, and, and it's it's tough, right? Because exactly you know, they've, they've got to exactly. make money. Yeah, I, I get that. You know, uh, it, it it is their profession at the end of the day, um, and so you know, th- th- there's a reason they call it selling out. You know, they do it to to make money. You know, they do it because. These days, you don't you don't really make a lot of money off record exactly. sales or even yeah. off ticket sales necessarily. You, you make your money on commercials, on endorsements. You make your money yeah. uh, on the radio, right? And so people don't like the way your music sounds if it's not um, if it's basically not a, um, appealing to the lowest common. Okay, that, that's a bad way of putting it, putting it. But it has to be like right. It has to hit. Appealing, it has right? to hit a lot of demographics. So, uh, I think that's and it just it has to hit the the, the, the exactly. taste palette of a lot of people. And if yeah. And, and and that kind of brings me into a, another point I was thinking about is that, you know, I feel like a big reason 
while why rock has kind of been pushed out to you know the the outside of of popular culture or of of radio let's say um is because of the the diversity of our country you know we've become a more diverse society and with that you know back in the 60s and 70s when you know for for lack of a better way of putting it it was a white dominant culture uh that rock music was big because that's what white people listen to um but now with more diverse populations with minorities growing and with more people you know having their voices heard um you know we're getting more hip-hop you know we're getting more uh reggaeton we're getting right, you know yeah. th- these different types of music and and you know rock is being accurately proportioned to where their fans are we you know which which is why you know i think far and away more no more i, I can definitely i can definitely agree with that i think just with with hip-hop assuming and assuming that and and obtaining the power vacuum of what rock used to have i think that just speaks volumes to to whose voice hip hop uh, obtains and in, in success. I think a lot of uh, minorities can relate to the, the general sound of hip hop. You know, I think hip hop and R and B are a blue collar genre. They're blue collar genres in terms of what their, mm. their message comes across. A lot of really, at least a lot of really popular hip hop artists or successful hip hop, hip hop artists, in my opinion, have generally the same backgrounds. Right. They, they come from uh, poverty stricken communities or they come from very, very poor means and and sh- and shunt themselves up with their talents and then and then speak of their community and to the people that they've left. Bo- they, they've left in their hometowns to, to have a voice for them. You know, I, I think I think uh, we'll, mm. we'll talk about him later, but I for think sure. Kendrick Lamar is a really good example of that uh, coming from Compton, which is a. Uh, historically just uh, uh, a pretty tough place to grow up in you know I, I think he he gained a perspective that a lot of people share in in very in in communities that don't have op- opportunities like other other communities do and as as he's become famous and he's, he's gained this wealth he has a following that that is that has been carried with him that has a message of 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 uh of struggle and strife you know yeah totally and i, I think that's it's, it's that's a beautiful thing you know ha- representing right where you come from you know and, and it, it's great that there are people like kendrick lamar who who, who can provide that voice you know because i think for so many years right there just for wasn't sure. any voice at all um so i think that's really really cool and so just to get back um before, yeah. before we get too much into the, yeah. the other genres, um, to get back to the yeah. overrated, underrated type thing, um, I, we, we kind of mentioned that um, even beyond the split between critically acclaimed and popular music, I think most recently in the 2010s, there was a split even among the critically acclaimed bands. You know, some might have changed their music. Some, you know, might have gone into a genre of right. you know, indie alternative, right. indie pop, indie rock that might not be seen as so much of like a pure rock kind of uh, format. So I thought it was really fascinating. Uh, some of these bands that you put down in ones that should have been bigger, AKA more underrated and the ones that are overrated and might've, right. might've gotten too much attention, even though they weren't, they weren't really 
uh, representing cutting edge or, or real rock right. or, or good music necessarily, which obviously that, ter- that term good music right. is subjective. I get that, you know, but I think, yeah. I think we can uh, provide some absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. opinions here. <laughs> I, I, I did uh, want to actually discuss this because I think there, there is a band that, that overlaps with what my opinion is in, in terms of what I, what I thought is an overrated band, but that there's, it's a band that, that it's influenced your musical taste as well. And I kind of want to discuss it for sure. I, I, there was a band that I was thinking about last night that I just thought that I didn't, I think in, at least in recent years, didn't follow the mold of what I thought was, was at least rock. And that what we've been discussing about is that is, is a pop rock twist. Uh, I think I thought the black keys was a, a big one for me, at least in recent years that, um, that yeah. has kind of molded their sound to the point where it, it's become, it's become a, uh, a, a pop rock band. They've become a pop rock band. And that's not to say that I, I've never liked the black keys. We've just, we discussed earlier that like one of my favorite concerts was black keys or the Arctic monkeys opening up for black keys, you know? And I, that was one of my favorite shows. Right. And I, I'm, I'm always a big fan of like the two piece bands. Cause they, they always have something to prove, you know, because they have the biggest, they have the biggest sounds for sure. And, and I just looking <laughs> at their discography from the big come up, all the way to 2019 into the the Let's Rock uh, album, I've just I see compl- two completely different bands, right? I just th- it's called wait, it's, is that what the album's called? Quote unquote, Let's Rock. rock. <laughs> which I thought, yeah, which I thought uh, was I like, I so ironic, <laughs> but I just like, but I just when I see I see completely two different artists, and again, uh, I say this with. Um, with subtext that it, a band is always allowed to change in terms of whatever their needs and necessities are in terms of whether it be wealth or whether it be uh, creative, uh, creatively changing their sounds that it's just in terms of what rock was to me, I just never thought that the, the black keys uh, most recent albums would ever sound like this in terms of what I thought of them as a rock band, you know, because I, I've, I've, I've seen them experiment with pop rock in, in brothers in El Camino. And I thought tastefully, it was still really good albums, but at least in the last few of them, I've just, I have, I haven't had a good listen because of just what we've been talking about. I just think that as the, the group that they once were, uh, being a completely textbook bluesy rock, like Midwest rock sound, completely changed into something different. And I just kind of wanted to see what your take was in terms of what the influence they had on you and, and what you think of their transformation over the last like 16 years. No, yeah. Thanks for bringing them up because they actually, like, as I've been sitting here thinking it through, they're, they're a, like a really interesting and I think a good. Uh, like case study almost like something to look at as far as their their path because they they were born you know kind of during that late 2000s right uh garage rock revival type craze um like more authentic sounding stuff guitar heavy um just very like it, it was honestly right kind of blue collar like um you know of the people type rock music which is where it, what it was born out of in the first place um and so, and then, so I, I actually kind of jumped on the Black Keys um, a little yeah. bit after Brothers had come out, and then, and then I anticipated the release of El Camino, 
which El Camino came out at a really interesting time because so they went from kind of like that blue collar right. classic pure rock kind of sound into more of like an indie rock sound. Um, and then around that same time, I, I, I want to say um, El Camino came out like 2012, 2013, yeah. somewhere around there, maybe a little bit earlier. But there was this interesting period between like 2012 and like 2014 where um, you would actually hear this indie rock music mm-hmm. on the radio, even in San Antonio. Um, I, I remember I, I heard Lonely Boy and uh, right. Gold in the Ceiling yeah. on the radio here in San Antonio. And, and there were also bands like Fun, for example, um, bands like, oh, man, I can't even think of any other ones right now. But there was like there was like, this really interesting period where I was thinking like, oh, wait, like rock's making a comeback because it, cause it, right. it got really popular for a little bit there um as like indie rock indie music started getting popular but then it kind of ended and then by the time like 2015 2016 rolled around it was pretty much like hip-hop dominant again and then bands like the black keys they almost like tried to keep like keep on that path of like more popular radio friendly rock music but it just didn't it didn't work for whatever reason Uh, i think maybe because they 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 lost some of their right authenticity along the way um and so, yeah, I think they're like a really fascinating band to look at because I haven't even listened right. to any of their stuff that has come out really since. Just turned I think blue, it was I the think. album right. after El Camino yeah. was the last. Yeah, that was the last one I, I listened to, I think. And they had a couple of good ones. And, and even on El Camino, obviously, it was more a little more pop stuff. Um, but yeah, no, that, I'm really, really glad you brought them up because I think they're like, as, as you look at them, it kind of shows you at a bigger level, like what's happened to Rob right. in the past. No, 10 yeah, to 15 I, years. absolutely. Um, and there's. A, a handful of other groups too i think that kind of followed in their footsteps i i also mentioned um kings of leon was another one that that i was kind of personally oh, yeah. upset with as well because i was a big fan uh, of their first album youth and young manhood which came out around the same time as the as the the gold the indie gold rush uh, is, uh, of the same bands that i grew right, up right. with and i thought it was such such a cool sound a lot of a lot of uh music critics really dubbed them as like a, a Southern strokes essentially in terms of what they were trying to, trying to be. Yep, yep. And I think that was a crux in a way because the, I, I think with, with critique like that, you want to jump away from because you don't want to be placeholder, uh, placeholder into a, a, a type of music mm. because you can, it's a double-edged sword if you, if you right. stay the same, right? Cause I was thinking about this in terms of understanding where the artist's mind would take them in this direction in terms of like the, what the black keys wanted to do or the Kings of Leon wanted to do is if you stay in it, if you stay the same, no one's going to listen to you because you've, you've become complacent in your sound or, and if you do change, you, you alienate the, the people who have been following you since the beginning. So there's like a weird balance of what a band, a band's expectations are supposed to be in terms of growth, in terms of, of, of wealth and like financial wealth and success and, and just personal creativity as a musician, there's just a fine line that you always have to navigate where you don't alienate the the people that have been supporting you since the beginning and and also not becoming stale. And that's, I think that's the the mental uh, blueprint of how I've been trying to follow what these bands were thinking when they were, creating like this new versions of themselves you know because i think the kings of leon the same way they, they were this totally this delta spirit like mississippi like southern rock uh band that had this really cool punk sound 
but at the end of their most recent album, they're just not the same band, obviously, you know, but it's just that they found a niche where they can become financially successful, but at the same time, they lose the roots of where they came from, you know? No, totally. And actually there's one, one, one really, really interesting example is almost right. They almost did the opposite of what you're talking about. Um, Yeah. MGMT, they, they, so their first album was like their most poppy album. And it was almost like they, they played it really smart because they knew that they had to get on people's, uh, like get on, get in on the radio, get into people's minds somehow. So they, they made like this pop indie pop record. Right. But then every, every album since then has been drastically different. Um, and it's been what I imagine was what they wanted to do from the start, but they knew it wasn't going to sell. And so it's kind of it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting because like every other band does the opposite where they start out authentic they don't make it they don't make it they don't make it <laughs> life sucks life sucks right and so then they're right. like okay okay I guess I'll sell out but then once they sell out it's like right they can't go back yeah. to the old them for some reason uh, so it's just that's really, really it's so though. crazy seeing all these bands that we grow up with kind of shoulder into that into that thought process I I think I also put another group in there Portugal the man. That I felt was the same way in terms of what you were talking mm, about yeah. of just of just suffering and slogging through what the the fans that you you start with want to hear from you, but you know that you're not making any money, so you have to at least compromise with your sound. But at the same time, I just I that you lose your fans. I think in terms of I guess Portugal the man's uh, blueprint is that they they start out with church mouth, which is like. This was it was the mid two thousands where they mm. create this um, amazing chaotic garage psychedelic sound, which is absolutely nuts. Which could could have transferred like forty years in the past and would have still been as popular, you know. But and but a handful of albums come out where they just have to experiment with their sound. They want to be experiment experimentally creative as artists, but they their their albums don't sell. You know, they, they don't become successful. They have to make it. A, they have to yeah, make yeah, a living sure. out of this at the end of the day. And then um, by the time 2013 comes around, they create they make evil friends, uh, which is a which is a uh, empirically a very successful album in, in the eyes of Billboard and, and the eyes of just the, the regular listen. But it's completely like it's you can definitely see the shift in how in the in the band sound. It's so funny, actually, is that there was a, I actually went to a couple of their shows uh, while uh, when during this tour mm. and during the their most recent uh, album Woodstock tour, and they were selling albums or they were selling shirts, t-shirts that said, uh, "Yeah, uh, we're sellouts." <laughs> basically, they were they're basically like, "Yeah, then no lie, no lie." Are you serious? Just, like had shirts that were just saying, <laughs> um, "Just yeah, uh, we're basically sellouts," and there were I guess it was honestly it was. Uh, sarcastic for sure but like you know at there at least they recognized where their music was going because they they do recognize it is a double-edged sword of just having to to be uh being loyal to the roots and, and the music that you create and being a creative artist but at the same time needing to sell tickets at the end of the day which is such a i think which was was a fate for a lot of yeah. these great bands Oh, for sure, for sure. And th- th- they're also, uh, Portugal the Man's one of those bands that kind of had that radio popularity there in the middle yeah. of the 2010s with Feel It Still, that big single they had that was all over commercials and stuff. Um, but then again, like, yeah, it's almost like they ha- we have like that one, there's like one rock song a year 
that like breaks breaks right. out of the radio and then like nobody else. So it's like you have you ha- if you get that one, you're set. But if nobody if you don't get it, then it's like it's literally like one in a million chance of right. getting that that Absolutely. one popular rock song. It's... Yeah, but you know, one one thought that I just had though is like it almost seems like the key to success long term is just like being right. your most authentic self the whole way through because you uh, look at bands like Foo yeah. Fighters for example, right? Like they've I think they've stayed true pretty yeah. much their entire twenty year run, uh, twenty almost twenty five years now. And, you know, they're not necessarily, like, the biggest band. They're not always on the radio, but their their shows sell right. out. Everybody knows who they are. Like, they get consistent record sales among their fan base. And they don't – there's not, like, these peaks and valleys in their, in their like, listenership or in their revenue because they're authentic. And, like, they've gradually right. established themselves as, like, this actual like – like a force, right? right. Like, the, like, an actual authentic rock band. Um, so it seems to me, like – the more like true to yourself you are, even, even though like in the beginning it might not sell records, like if, if people see that authenticity actually, coming through, then eventually in, you'll in make the it. category that we're I think we'll discuss later as well. I, I had them as the one of the indestructibles or the Ruth Bader Ginsburgs of of textbook rock. They're, <laughs> they're definitely a Ruth oh, Bader man. Ginsburg of of the genre uh. because I you're absolutely right. I think they've just for the last it's thirty years now, right? I just at least tw- well just about have just of just staying about, consistent yeah. with the sound that they have and just and then sticking with the fan base to the point where the fan base eventually grows and has families and then and then brings about their influence to other people and to the point where they just sell out wherever they go i i think those are the people the the rock bands that are that will survive is that just have this the consistent sound and and willingness to be patient with whatever they have even though they're not successful at the beginning to, to to grow that fan base and nurture it um and hopefully by the end of it have just sell out sell out concerts all the time obviously that's that's not always going to happen from band to band but the people who do make it they their sound is relatively stayed the same you know no for sure for sure um and then i i, I did like that you had a couple of a few other bands under like the should have been bigger they were a little more underrated you know might have gotten lost in in the uh the indie rush like you said the indie gold rush you, you mentioned franz ferdinand block party and the right Bravery, which i'm a fan of all three of those bands and it seems like for the most part those three have stayed yeah like, pretty authentic like pretty consistent i i think block party and the, and the bravery might have dabbled a little bit tried to go a little more pop at some point but for the most part i've really really tried to stay like authentic rock so it's too bad that they I just yeah I I, kind I of break out. agree I think just because at the time there was a lot of bands doing the same thing unfortunately that a lot a lot of other bands just fell to right. the wayside and in terms of creating their own voice and a lot of them because of that had to veer towards a more pop sound in order to di- at least differentiate themselves in ironic in an ironic way of just the indie rock scene. Um, but a lot of them just didn't get their day in in the press, you know. I, I think Franz Ferdinand's a big one. I, they, they, I think in their whole timeline as a rock band, only made three albums. Let me, and they made uh, their their self titled or made four albums. They oh, wow. had the self titled uh, album. The the you could have had it so much better in two thousand five, which was like their their peak album. In um, then they had Blood Franz right. Ferdinand, and then. 
uh, right thoughts, right words, right actions. And, um, and one of those is like a live album, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's absolutely crazy. Just, they, they could have been one of those bands that, that stays consistent. I think they still tour now, but it's just, they could have been a powerhouse. I just th- think that they weren't able to, to lead themselves in the pack of, of all those bands. For sure, for sure. Well, now that we've mentioned basically yeah, all the bands that we have on our lists, um, let, let's, let's, go, let's go ahead yeah. and, and j- jump back to those real quick. Um, so as a little introduction, um, I can't even remember who tagged me in it, but on Facebook, like, I mean, 10 days ago now, I think today's day 10 for me, um, there's been a million of these going around. Like, people are bored, quarantined at home. So they're doing these these challenges on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever it might be. You list a bunch of things and then you tag somebody else. Um, so this specific one, the challenge was to name your the 10 most influential albums uh, in your life. And um, this is super interesting. Uh, it was it was good to kind of have like some time in between days to kind of figure out which which ones I wanted to put. Although for me, I actually I, I went with like my gut reaction. And I, yeah. I went, I went straight to Google Images, <laughs> nice. and I saved like, 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 right. uh, thirteen or fourteen album covers all at once, um, because I, I just kind of wanted it to be like authentic, I guess. Um, so, some of these aren't rock albums, um, as we mentioned. You know, for both of us, we've had other influences, um, and as times have changed, obviously, you know, rock music is not at the forefront of everything. So there's some other influences going on here. But yeah. I'll let you go ahead and go first. Um, and just talk about the 10 albums that you kind of picked out and, and maybe, you know, expand, yeah, for sure. expand I think, on a couple of those as you I go think along. I'll save the, the ones that we interlap on, I think, for, for the last one, because I think those are interesting albums to talk about. Okay. Um, yeah. I think uh, one of them, a big one, it was a big band that we talked about, uh, Interpol, was the first album, Turn On The Bright Lights, which had, um, it was released in 2002. It was a New York band that, that adopted all of these these British fundamentals in terms of the fast paced rock, uh, distorted sounds and the guitars, uh, killer bass lines. And you could, and Interpol was a band that you knew what the, who the band was by just by telling who, who was singing and, and the bass line. I, I always thought this was such a cool album because of how many uh, songs came up on here that just had a really catchy bass line that you could remember and just a very just weird sound. Uh, especially just in comparison to a lot of uh, a lot of indie rock artists that came out at the same time, because uh, the lead singer, uh, the lead singer of Interpol, it just has like a weird, weird, like uh, taste palette of a voice. <laughs> it's, but I thought a lot of really cool sound that I, that I still uh, am attracted to now are come out of this. I mean, really cool, like obstacle ones, like a really good song, say hello to the angels uh, songs like this have that have distorted mm-hmm. guitars and just really cool bass lines are just really proverbiate through like the a whole the whole essence of what my my music tastes are still uh, as an adult. Um, another another one that uh, that I end up growing up with a really good album is the Gorillas uh, Demon Days. It's their uh, second album in two thousand five. I thought Gorillas as a kid, just as a kid, were one of the coolest bands to come out in the mid 2000s because I, I, don't, I don't know if you, uh, as a kid, yeah. uh, you had a Yahoo account, but Yahoo, Yahoo music was 
oh yeah killing it in the mid 2000s with all of their with all the music (laughs) videos and and the music video era i think the music video era in the mid 2000s really allowed more rock bands to survive and thrive in in this weird time where where hip-hop was starting to become more popular and and then rock needed a, a more uh, more options and more ways to, to to push out their content, but I thought Gorillas did it in such a cool way. I For mean, sure. Damon Albarn uh, had a really good group around him that created basically this lore uh, of a, a virtual band playing his music, and it's so cool. Like you don't, you never picture Damon Albarn as like as the face of Gorillas. You, the first thing you think about it in, with the band. Is the is the actual like music videos and the, and the monkeys <laughs> yeah. that are playing the music for you? And I thought uh, right. I, I was in between Demon Days and and Plastic Beach, which is which is an also like absolutely like phenomenal album in yeah. terms of just creativity. But as a young kid, that that album allowed me to think about the versatility of a band and and that it can incorporate different sounds to to still make a rock album, you know, because. Uh, because you're a big fan of Gorillaz as well, where they just they just they they bring in different voices right. to to add on to to the music and layer it in a, in a really special way. They're like just people like MF Doom, who was a who was a big uh, rap artist in the 2000s. Snoop Dogg is 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 heavily incorporated in their music as well. Just so crazy. It's just like just the weirdest sounds in here that, that make up Gorillaz. And I just thought that as a young kid, that was so cool. I just as a as a rock purist when i was growing up like you can't do this you can't put a, a hip-hop verse in in a rock song <laughs> yeah it just i but i think as an adult looking back on it that made me a little bit more flexible with what a rock band could be and what a rock band could do um in terms of still having a creative sound of their own but also at the same time just kind of nitpicking from different genres to to make something of their own Also, I feel yeah, like Gorillaz yeah. is a band that so would really actually, thrive in quarantine. If you, if you follow them, so they actually have a quarantine <laughs> like a uh, YouTube like a video series where they've they've released about three new uh, really? three new songs um, with with music videos to while we're all suffering in this in this isolation. But uh, all, the most recent one actually that came out was uh, Aries, which feature, uh, featured Peter Hook. Uh, Peter Hook's the basis of uh, Joy Division and New Order, oh, and wow. it definitely, it definitely, uh, his sound definitely yeah. creates it and makes it uh, time travel to like the 1980s new wave period. Which, yeah, which I think uh, again That's with sick. the way that da- how creative Damon Albarn is, he's able to still be a rock band, but at the same time know where his inspirations come from and where his and idolizations come from by incorporating the mm. sounds that he enjoys from outside of the rock genre to make it still a rock song, which is so cool. Um, uh, I think, so I'm going to, for sure. Red Hot Chili Peppers, I uh, was telling you that was a really big uh, group in my younger days that I would always, always frequently listen to. Uh, Blood Sugar, Blood Sugar Sex Magic as like an eight year old <laughs> was uh, absolutely eye opening for sure. <laughs> Uh, I could uh, so looking back, I just never understood what what they were talking about. Obviously, in blood sugar, sex magic, even though it like hit you in the face right, right. with what the message was, but it was just all always about doing heroin and, and having right. sex with strangers all the time. But like I just, in terms of the, their sound as like a funky rock band, 
it definitely it definitely called back to right uh, parliament funkadelic just all the really cool funky 70s like r&b bands and and 80s bands um i think this album really encapsulates that and it's it was super cool listening as a kid at least uh having to experience that is one of the first things to listen to and really like open up my horizons a little bit um yeah you know i can't believe that i didn't mention this earlier but we were we were in a uh, a very, yes very we were lived band together <laughs> and and yeah, we uh, under we, the bridge we yeah. played a red hot chili pepper song <laughs> it's a good old song about heroin <laughs> Un- under the <laughs> just, bridge baby just <laughs> yeah. oh yeah oh man those are the days just comstock uh... comstock rock man <laughs> yeah i think that that band lasted yeah. a whole uh three four weeks maybe uh, and then just did, did like four practices <laughs> yeah. in the, the band hall practice room and in, in, in the, in the, in yeah. the percussion we don't room. need practice and then we're, we, we knew that it, we were going to be artists you know high school okay no but uh but yeah definitely uh, definitely oh, uh, rhcp forever RHCP, no, that was, that was kind of my wild card um uh album there and then a lot of the other stuff that I, that really influenced me uh, as an adult, uh, Erica Badu, Mama's Gun, which really uh, shunted Erica Badu as an R and B icon in two thousand. Just I can listen to that album top down, and I think what it allowed me to 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 see what R and B could be, and and like oh, if if Erica Badu can do this, mm. who who also enjoys this? What other what other R and B artists take from takes from her sound because generally she uses a very jazzy, very soulful way to express the genre. And just her, her, her voice is just so distinctive that it's a, it's a really good layer and just of, of callback between jazz, R and B and just in soul at the same time. And I just thought that was so cool as for an album to just do that. And I can just listen from top to top to bottom. Um, Jay Dilla, Donuts, which is another one as well. I think that was just, it's an instrumental album that came out in 2006. Jay Dilla is like the godfather of, uh, of uh, art, of rap producers that I thought was, was a really good influence on me in, uh, in college when uh, I was starting to be more malleable and be more permeable to, to hip hop and, and rap as a genre that I'd like to listen to. And then he, Jay Dilla was a big played a big part in, in forming a lot of really good rap careers and, and, and rap industries and rap industry franchises to, to make what it, what the rap game is today. And I thought just, that was a really cool album to start with to, to, to experiment with as well. Um, Hatful of hollow by the Smiths in 1984 was definitely a big one for me too. Uh, you also did mention that your dad uh, liked new wave. And I think, our dads grew up in the same time period where, where new wave was yep. just a big thing. Uh, yep. And my, my dad loved new order. My dad loved Depeche mode. And he definitely shared that with me as well. Um, and at the same yep. time, he, he shared like this really cool indie rock band with the Smiths with, with Morrissey. And I thought it was, it's, it was so cool for bands while people were zagging one way to, to zag another different asp uh, like different avenue while 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 morrissey kind of played with a lot of like new yeah. wave stuff in the 80s as well 
he was still it was still like one of the first like indie rock bands to thrive in a in a completely different landscape of of the music industry at the time when when new wave definitely had a had a big voice to play in in what music was during that time period at least between like 1980 and 1991 so i i thought that was a really cool album to listen to especially in college and just and have and just like as like a basis for what a band can do to differentiate themselves in the music industry. Um, um, Tribe Called Quest, yeah, Midnight yeah. Marauders, just a classic hip hop album that, yeah. So it's one of those albums. I, oh, Tribe yeah. Called Quest is my, my favorite rap group ever, 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 ever. And it, the reason being is that you mm. can take this album in particular and you can put it in 2020 and it would still mesh well with, with the hip hop scene. Because it it's pretty, I think their their sound is really timeless. Mm, I dig it. Yeah, uh, Ali Shahid Muhammad, who's the producer of the group, just made really cool productions of just old jazz songs and made it into comp- like a such a really fresh and cool hip hop sound. And I think a lot of groups exist today because of because of Tribe Called Quest and 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 what they the, what they created. Um, I think that's it in terms of my top 10, at least the ones that uh, haven't uh, overlapped with what we're going to talk about. I think Frank Ocean, I think we had a, had a big, uh, had a big one on us, I think as well. I I think Channel Orange in 2012, I think kind of opened my eyes to, all right, R&B can be like something that I can listen to forever. You know, I think with the way his, his vocals are, the, his production, uh, his hands on almost the entire project just made Channel Orange into just a pinnacle of what um, 2010s uh, R&B could be, you know? Yeah, no, and uh, we both have Channel Orange on our list. I think, yeah, right. it, it, I think it must have hit just at the right time, you know? Like, it was, it was right. like uh, what they call like a zeitgeist moment, right? Like, it was just... Um, right. we were the right age. We were like, well, you know, like 17 years old, um, right. just kind of getting ready to get out of high school, but not quite. Um, and right. then, yeah, we hadn't, we hadn't yeah. had that exposure to, to R and B yet. And he was really one of the first ones just because, because, you know, he, coming from a group like odd future, um, getting the recognition that he did, uh, on, on the national scale, uh, you know, Grammy nominations, all that kind of stuff. Right. They, they would play his songs on the radio as well, which helped, obviously. Um, and so I think, right. you know, that was a huge one. Definitely, I had that one on my list as well. So I'm glad you put that on there. That was right. one, of the, uh, one of the non-rock ones that I've got Absolutely. for sure. And then, um, um, so and then the one we, I think we've just there. been talking about pretty frequently is uh, the whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not, and, which is Arctic Monkeys' first album. And and the way mm-hmm. they came about too, the way they differentiated themselves, especially when the internet was just starting to come out, they were releasing content of their live of their live recordings and the, and just and releasing music uh, online uh, in the at least in the, MySpace baby in the in the UK community MySpace and, baby and, and at the time a lot of bands weren't utilizing it at least efficiently at least, at least the way that we see it today as the way that um, the Spotify medium and Apple music that used to kind of promote their content. Uh, Arctic monkeys did that in a way that they were able to kind of push themselves forward in, in the UK. And when this album came out, it was the fastest selling record of, of the, the last 20 years. 
uh, easily, I think. And then, and then this just mm. made a, a sound that that created two that had two different uh, age groups of people who listen to punk rock in the seventies, and then people who listen to just uh, general rock right. in the two thousands and indie rock. They molded that those the, those fan bases together to to bring that that their notoriety into fruition. Mm. And iron, ironically enough, the Arctic Monkeys never kind of broke out into the U.S. until uh, AM came out. But this was the album that really made them the band, right? You know, to to mess with, you know, especially in the indie indie rock scene. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it was just, you know, it, it's it's an unreal record. And, like, I feel like it's just, it's it's very, like, cohesive. Right. You can tell that they had a mission. You can tell they had a sound. You could tell, yeah. you could like, their their attitude came through in their music, too, which is, like, incredible. Um, and then, yeah, and, you know, they're, they are one of those bands where, like, I feel like they've, they've always, they've had, they've had records here and there that have changed sounds. Right, their most re- for sure. Their most recent record, obviously, was quite different. Um but I do feel like they were able to maintain, like you know, just that that rock, right. you know, fast and loud guitars, um, fu- funny like kind right. of sexual innuendo lyrics type stuff. Like I don't know, like just and like just very like very good rock music, right? And that was that came through all the way up until AM came out, and that you know broke through in the U.S. But I feel like from uh, from this first album all the way through to AM, they were able to maintain Absolutely. that authenticity. I think pretty, it just goes to show well like, compared to other grand. the consistency of Alex Turner and and what his his voice was going to be uh, in creating this band. I think he yep. was just a, he was a great lyricist, especially for this album in particular. A lot of really uh, a lot of really good songs just stand out in this album, like from the Ritz to the Rebel. Um, Riot Van is a really good song about him getting arrested <laughs> as as a teen. Uh, a, a lot of really cool stuff like um, I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor was obviously their biggest hit from the album that just kind of that broke out as their single uh, Fake Tales of San Francisco that talk about just uh, bands just kind of selling out and the, the at least the, the vision of like a sellout band it just it would like you said the, the band really had a lot of attitude in terms of what they wanted to be as as a as a fast paced just uh, punch in your mouth type of type of band i just thought as especially as a, right, as right. a high school teen i just this was just that hit all the heartstrings at the same time and uh because of this i wore like a denim jacket for like the long like 10 years in a row straight in every every season in texas uh, <laughs> i pompeyed my hair like to oblivion uh, because because of the uh, way their their look uh, was portrayed the way their 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 sound their sound was portrayed I think it just it checked all the boxes for me in terms of what the the band needed to be, you know, in, in, at that no point doubt. in my life. Oh, totally, totally. And you know, well, you know, I've got a uh, I've got a non-negotiable uh, <laughs> point in, in my prenuptial agreement with with whoever my my, my future <laughs> wife is that our first nice. son will be named nice. Alex. That's perfect. So no, I just think it's, it's going to yeah. happen. Non-negotiable. <laughs> it, 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 it is non-negotiable. You should just—that should point. be a prerequisite that like, you need to bring up every day. Like this, like the oh, first day, man. like you know, you just feel like, hey, I, oh, I don't yeah, know if it's gonna, sure. you know, go the distance, but uh, you have no choice in the in the matter. This is gonna be Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Are you monkeys fan? Yeah. No. Okay, we're done. But uh, excellent. 
Uh, cool. Well, I think you've you've just about gone through all of yours. Um, oh, the, yes. I'm trying yeah. to think. Oh, you, you didn't mention the Kendrick one quite yeah. yet. We so we both we both have Kendrick Lamar on our yeah. list, but different albums. I right. was close to putting the one yes. you put. You put to, to Pimp a Butterfly, um, which obviously yeah. probably his most critically acclaimed album. Amazing, obviously. Um, and I put uh, right. his his debut his uh, yeah. de- full length debut, which was Good Kid, Mad City. Um, but yeah, I mean, he like for me at least. Um, was kind of like I had listened to rap obviously because it was it was obviously very prevalent on the radio at that point. Um, I had listened to Kanye, right. Jay Z, uh, Outkast, you know whoever else you want to mention. Um, but it wasn't until Kendrick that I kind of like right. understood, I guess, right. like what they were trying to do, what rap music was. Um, I don't know, and I, I felt like because he was he was just beginning his career that I could kind of jump on right. and like we, we could, I could grow with him. I could see like kind of where he went. Um, and now, you know, ten, right. almost 10 years later, he's seen as one of the greatest rappers of all time. Um, so pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. Definitely, sure. uh, one of the most influ- influential rap albums that I've experienced. I'll go through a, a little bit of my list real quick. Um, and then we can talk about some of the other ones we have in common. Cause I know we've got a few more. Um, mine is a lot more rock centric and a lot more recent. Um, I kind of, I right. definitely, I went with all albums that have come out in my lifetime, uh, I'm not sure if that was like on purpose necessarily, but I tend to be right. the kind of person that like right. doesn't go back in time too much with my music. I, I've kind of like I kind of focus on what was present, <laughs> nice. like you know, while while I was alive. I guess, right. um, even though I mean, obviously, I've listened to stuff uh, right. that my dad has shown me, but as far as what personally influenced right. me, tended to be more uh, present day type stuff. So um, right. this is not in any kind of order or chronological order or anything. But I've got uh, The Strokes, Is This It, their debut, uh, Blink-182, their self-titled album, Blink-182, All American Rejects self-titled album, which, by the way, we also played yes, an All American Rejects song uh, Tyson Rivers in our, our band God together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, for I, sure. We, we, oh, yeah, for sure. He is... Yeah, but yeah, Easter, we're, we're, we're worshiping him today, uh, too. But, uh, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we played uh, a song by them, a song yes. by Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think a Weezer we should, song. We, we haven't should, talked we, about we'll Weezer yet, which yeah. maybe we should at one point. But yeah. And then we played yeah. a, um, I think we played a Green Day one as well. But anyway, so uh, let's keep going through mine real quick. Um, the Killers, I went with Day and Age, which was their third album. And I did that because... Um, it was the first one that came out after I was actually a fan of them. And actually, I'm trying to think. I think it came out like, I think I pretty much became a fan like because of that album. And it has a lot of new wave type sounds. And I, I related to right. a lot of that because of what my dad had us listen to growing up with like the 80s sounds. And they, had, they incorporated right. a lot more of that in day and age than they had in previous records. But after I listened to Day and Age, obviously I went back and listened to right. um, Hot Fuss and um, and Sam's Town, and then the, their album since then as well. For sure, they they're one band that has definitely changed their sound a ton. Uh, right, but it's not necessarily. It's interesting because it's not like they've sold out. It's almost like they've gotten like, yeah. more and more to their roots as they've gone. Like like they started out kind of wanting to be someone else but they've gone back no no for like, sure i think we'll, we'll talk about these bands too sense. but i, I think the band i think the rock yeah. bands that are going to survive i think that number uh, either a will will stick with who they are and and 
and nurture their fan base over time, or B, they'll, they'll be creative artists that incorporate uh, their roots or different experimentations with their, their albums in a, in a positive way. And then they, they gain success out of that. I think Killers is a great example of just a band that, that, start, that starts off at point A, but also gains success from, from experimenting and, and being creative with where they've come from, you know, because I think you're absolutely right. Day and Age was a really cool um, yeah. um, technological sound. Uh, it was a very like innovative sound because they, they took some 80s sounds and they took some 90s sounds as well. And they kind of made it, uh, they took a little bit of hot fuss and just put it in a jar, shook it up a little bit. And then they made Day and Age. And I thought there was a lot of really good, like the songs on the Neon Tigers. Great. Uh, Spaceman obviously is like they're the biggest hit. Um, yeah. Losing right. Touch, I think was a really good song. I, I think right. they just have a really good uh, ear for, for tinkering for tinkering with uh, their, their sounds and, and pr- improving upon it. Oh, whew. and not whew. to mention they have it. They have an amazing My vocalist, goodness. Brandon Flowers. Brandon Flowers. Like, that guy uh, yeah. Man, that guy so sing. we, we saw them, uh, what year, what year was it? It was, <laughs> it was, um, senior yeah. year, 2013. I think we saw it must them have been senior in year. Austin. Year. It's 2013. We saw, we saw them in Austin. Um, and they, yeah, it was the first time I'd seen the Killers play because you'd you'd seen uh, at that point I'd seen them play Royal Albert Hall like uh, online and like and and like at Glastonbury and in Isle of Wight all these huge English shows and all these just live sh- but you I only saw them from afar right you only saw them like, yeah. either um, on the internet or just <laughs> on uh, on views or something you know <laughs> but um, but just seeing them in person you can just Brandon right. Flowers is an absolute dynamite of just a, a stage presence and a, and a, a floor general of just leading the energy of the band. And they, yeah, he's an absolute point God, point God, point guard, the baby. LeBron James of the band for sure. <laughs> in terms of directing the sound and just the, the overall energy of what the, the band's <laughs> wanting to be. And they've experimented with like a lot of power ballad uh, fundamentals and, and just, they've experimented with a lot of new wave and eighties uh, techno sounds um, but I just thought seeing them live and just having it all happen in front of you, I, I, I don't know, uh, what your experience is, what we'll talk about it, but I just, I think, uh, I thought it was just so cool just having this band that's been here for like now 20 years, just still go strong and still, and still be like a battle tested indie rock band that came from a weird place, in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. It was an amazing concert, probably to this point, you know, maybe maybe the best, if, yeah. if not one of the best rock concerts I've been to for sure. Just an amazing live performance. Um, uh, one of the few bands where their songs right. sound either the same or if not better than they do on the on the record. There's so many bands these days where you go to the show expecting right. you know, to hear your favorite exactly. song and you're like, wait, exactly. I don't even recognize this song. Like, it sounds completely different. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, they, they, they definitely killed it. Um, so to going, keep going down. Um, I also had the Arctic yeah. Monkeys debut, um, Coldplay, yeah. a band that we mentioned at the top, their debut parachutes, um, man, just, uh, a, a, a journey, just, uh, an experience there. And they've, you know, it's definitely a different band for sure. They've I, I definitely think... sold out. Um, they, for sure. Their, their last 
three to four albums, maybe. I, I would say yeah. their, yeah, their last really yeah. good one was probably Viva La Vida, because um, I had a, f- a few good ones still on there. But yeah, I mean, as far as a debut, like, and to just arrive on the scene like they did with such a unique sound, and but at the same time, you know, being, yeah. I, I mean, I think we probably overused this word at this point, but right. authentic, um, but just beautiful songwriting. I mean, great lyrics, great music, catchy um yeah shiver yellow just like those those two songs unreal um so they they're definitely uh top of my list for sure they were they were one of the i remember hearing yellow on the radio when i was like five or six years old like definitely a very early example of of like current present day rock in my life um and then of course i had frank ocean channel orange kendrick lamar good kid mad city yeah and then i went back to rock a little bit with the temper trap who we also saw live their, their their debut conditions which um was kind of one of the first um so i'd, I'd been a fan of indie rock for a little bit uh fan of the arctic monkeys the strokes those kinds of bands but i felt like they were kind of still a little bit like before my time like i was i was, I was kind of reaching a little bit to get to them but with temper right. trap their debut came out like right then like right when i was getting into it and so i could kind of follow them a little bit more um and then they had a song um speaking of the smiths uh 500 yeah. 500 days of summer great movie um sweet disposition by temper trap plays towards the end of it um and so that was just like an, an automatically like instantly iconic song um and they they were also very very good live so a big fan nice. of them and then my last one was the, <laughs> that's the your wild card. It's a wild card pick which I might be a bit of a this. controversial yeah, yeah. pick here um a little, little bit of a wild card yeah yeah totally so, um, you know, they, they def- they're definitely uh, pop, pop rock type sound. Um, and so I, I'm not even sure I would necessarily include them in our, you know, our rock centric discussion. But um, came from England. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of a common theme among uh, some of the bands I'm a fan of. They had that swagger about them, that, that cool look, their, their, uh, their front man, um, right. Matt Healy kind of an Alex Turner-esque type guy. He had a really cool look, um, very outspoken in his concerts. And one thing that they actually really jumped on that I think rock right. music in general has not done a good job of is social media. And you men- uh, you mentioned Arctic Monkeys. They were pretty good at just like internet exposure in general. But, you know, especially once we hit the 2010s decade, um, if a rock band didn't have an Instagram, didn't have a Twitter and wasn't, you know, right. didn't have that social media presence, it was a lot, a lot harder for them to gain the recognition. And the, the, the 1975 just did an amazing job. Their, their singer, once again, he's very, um, he's on Twitter, um, very outspoken. And so, you know, I think a lot more of what went along with my pick here wasn't necessarily that what, what might be good music, but just kind of like an experience for me, like something uh, I recognized, I thought they were cool. Um, and I, you know, I, I do obviously enjoy listening to their music. I think it's, it's super catchy. They've got some cool sounds. They've incorporated, um, you know, modern, uh, technology, modern sounds into their music as well. But at the same time, you know, bringing, making it, bringing right. it back to kind of that, uh, alternative rock type sound as well. And I, I don't I, even know, right. I'm not sure I've ever talked to you about the 1975 because they, I, I became, I right. didn't listen to them until I had left for college so uh, so i've so never kind of i've never you, i didn't have the same uh, experience i wasn't a big fan early on because uh i th- i think 
from from the pop rock scene i just it wasn't my cup of tea but i i appreciated again uh in retrospect they were like the the perfect combination of just like the millennial generation's uh pop rock band that was able to sell themselves in a, in a very efficient way i i, I really i really love that about the band right. because you're right i think now at this point we're how far we've come uh, as as consumers uh enjoying content uh through different media now uh from from the 2000s we were we were getting uh we were digesting music in a completely different way from where we are in 2020 and i think 2013 had the surge right. of just different social media outlets i think vine was still alive by then i think i think uh, uh snapchat was, was starting to kind of uh create its own voice um instagram twitter and facebook were becoming titans of right. the social media platform. And I, I think because of that now, a lot of uh, artists are, are able to kind of market themselves in a, a pretty efficient way. And I think it's just so cool now to see that, like especially with bands like the 1975 to kind of promote their music like that. I, I always respect that. Yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Just tell you what, I'll, I'll make you a playlist Perfect. of some of, the, some of, their, some of their songs that I think you might like. Um, they've got they've got like three thanks, man. Now, so oh my god, I'll, I'll put you put you together. I appreciate a little, that. Uh, digital mixtape. You know what? You see, might make a 1975 like fan on me yet. You know, <laughs> we're gonna get there. No problem. We're no gonna problem. get there. Good stuff. Hey, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Excellent. And then I've got a few honorable mentions to put in here towards the end. Um, I put down um, Phoenix, one of my favorite bands, uh, French band. Uh, their debut album, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, uh, which has Listomania, it has um, 1901, just just some really tight, fun-sounding uh, alternative rock tracks. Uh, Vampire Weekend, their second album, Contra, The Black Keys, El Camino, which we've already talked a little bit about, and then I've got two rap albums on uh, Kanye yeah. and Jay-Z's just a collaboration, Watch the Throne, right. just like, uh, man just two epic, giants coming together yeah just man anyway that was a moment uh yeah and then uh mac miller blue side park so a lot of these have um kind of i don't know what, what the right word is like n- nostalgia really connected to them it might not be the fact that they were my favorite or the best albums but i remember like we we included a song from Blue Slide Park <laughs> on a video we made in Mr. Viella's class in the <laughs> in video production, and it had like two or three f bombs yeah. in it. And we, we, we didn't we didn't we didn't even bother trying to bleep it out or anything. Probably from the yeah. I, I, I think we got like a C on the project or something, but like we were okay with it. And we were we were just like it was just like a fun thing to do. Like he just had like uh, Mac Miller just had like this fun like he like he didn't he didn't care what anybody thought about it too. Um, and then obviously. Now that he's passed, um, I think that probably paid, like put a little yeah. bit more of of his uh, memory into my mind. Yeah, and for sure. And I think looking back, but, on uh, yeah, it's just like, what you have to add on honorable mentions um, as well. It's just so cool. There, there was a hip hop artist that a lot of, at least in the perspective of just the last twenty years, there's been a lot of artists that have had a certain "fuck you" bravado, essentially, <laughs> of just of 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 how they presented their sound. And a lot of yeah. them, yeah, are, straight you up. know, just, especially like good examples like Run the Jewels, where they're just in your face, very militant, political, and, and just yep. very aggressive, like shaking you, like feel something, you know. And I think with Mac Miller, I, I love Mac Miller because he 
he brought like a personality and a persona to the industry that 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 brought about positivity and and just people he hearing from people that worked with him he just he was just a really versatile character and a really positive character to be around and you can definitely hear that in this music especially in blue side park just absolutely like a, a benchmark of a really feel good rap you know i just i thought that was a really cool album um i i had pretty similar stuff uh to you as well in terms no of doubt, my honorable no mentions i had a lot of really good uh nostalgic albums that i just look back on and just uh, ha- uh i like love listening to and, and coming back to I think the Strokes is this it was uh was an album that we we both have in common too. Um, I, I had them outside the uh, the honorable mentions because I had to have it uh, at max. I think just for me, I wanted to have a a broad palette of what what influenced me over the last like twenty years of my life, and then just and and then the Strokes. This is it. Obviously, is one of those bands I that came that. out in the mid two thousands that influenced a lot of other people, and I think that that kept uh rock rock and roll which was on life support in the mid 2000s and and regenerated and revived some life into the into the artwork of of rock and roll and what a rock band's supposed to sound like and i think the strokes is this is, is just a benchmark of that i think uh, just of the the mid 20s mid 30s uh lifestyle of not knowing where you're going in life i just the general just uh vibe the general sound reverberates that kind of feeling of just of just uh, un- uncertainty and, and insecurities and the way that the, the sound comes Albert Hammond, Hammond Jr. has got a really cool uh, just just perspective as a guitarist to, to evoke that kind of emotion and I think that was just a really cool album to still look back on because I, I, that's another album I could just go from top to bottom on um, Hot Fuss we were talking about uh, from the Killers just a really good band that's just been around for 20 years now it's it's so crazy to think that, right? Just Brandon Flowers, because you just see him as the dude in the in the Mr. Brightside uh, music video as like some like twenty something dude, but he's like he's like seventy eight right. now, I think. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like seventy eight years old or something. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> something I think like that. Yeah. He, that was like one of the albums I would always listen to with my dad. <laughs> I just it was a very nostalgic album for me because it it did incorporate a lot of really techno sounds and and eighties new wave sounds while also having that indie spin on it in the 2000s. Oh, it's such a really good album to always revisit. Uh, Blink-182, the, the, their, their self-titled album, uh, just that definitely encapsulated like the, the angsty teenager years between like fifth grade and eighth grade. <laughs> I think that all, all of us had. I think our generation just experienced a lot of that just very fast-paced, angsty emo music and, and pop, uh, pop rock, uh, punk rock, uh, punk pop music and i think blink 182 was one of like the the main the 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 main pe- uh, bands and groups to to hold the hold the flag for those kinds kinds of artists to thrive you know and then uh Outca- outcast Anconia was just like a whew yeah so Dude, yeah yes i'm so glad you put this on right here. i was I was very, very close yeah. to so, them on so my that, list. I, so I this album in particular, I was but, pretty on the fence with and putting in my top 10 because uh, Kendrick Lamar's T-Pab, I thought, was one of my, in my opinion, the best rap album in the last 20 years. And I think I would be remiss if if I didn't put that in my top 10, like mm-hmm. over Sanconi, which is, again, uh, another one of those albums that that's, that's in the top five of the greatest like hip hop uh, collects collectives and, and, and 
and groups and albums of the last 20 years. Uh, Outcast right. is another nostalgic like group for me. That was just it was so cool because you knew who you were listening to when as soon as you turned the song on because you Big Boy's voice and Andre 3000's voice are just so very mm-hmm. distinctive in, in terms of encapsulating the southern rap and they basically made a, Atlanta a landmark and a and a base for a lot of really cool artists to come out of. I think, in my opinion, uh, the, the trap scene doesn't exist in Atlanta without uh, Outkast making Atlanta uh, an epicenter of hip-hop and, and just innovative sounds in the hip-hop mm. and rap genre. I, I, and then Outkast, if, if the Stankonia album is just absolutely weird. Uh, just It just jumps all over the place when you go bombs over Baghdad. Uh, uh, a really cool, smooth... Uh, soul sound yep. in uh, uh, So Fresh, So Clean. Miss uh, um, Jackson was like one of the first rap albums I ever heard on the radio as a kid. And that was very distinctive and I can always, that, the, a very cool chorus that I can sing along to as a kid. And um, I just thought that was, it was an absolutely like phenomenal album. Right. Dude, for sure. That just so such a new sound, unique sound, um, but also combining like elements of of rap and like other new and like upcoming music as well. Just right, uh, yeah. Just a for just sure. an amazing uh, lightning in a bottle type album, honestly. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we're we're kind of you know we we passed. Hey man, well, I want to give you a bang for your buck, dude. This I I you know in, in this crisis, yet. I wanted um, you know I want to see how you're doing, dude. and then I just want. You know the, the the rock the you know I just had a lot to had a lot to say yeah had a lot to say here had a lot of feelings <laughs> had a lot of feelings here all right I have a lot of feelings I have a lot of feelings okay <laughs> no for sure I know I definitely appreciate yeah. you checking in on me it's always great to talk to people for sure especially during quarantine but as we wrap things yeah. up here we've got the final question oh uh, is it's rock not dead kind of what's your answer kind of not Chris? dead uh so. It's obviously, it's not in the same shape as, as what we've perceived it to be in the last 30, 40 years, at least going back to Woodstock where it was at the pinnacle of just all these, these rock artists that would form the genre as to what we think it is and what the standard of a rock sound supposed to be to the point now where rock is never going to be the the uh the power player that it that it once was i think rap has has had is going to have that stranglehold on on the industry for a very long time uh because number one it's just it's a lot easier for i think we were talking about it earlier for a lot of people to relate to the hip-hop industry and the the hip-hop uh ideology and then it, Mm. it just doesn't rock doesn't hold the same voice as it does to the younger generations uh i think there's a lot of uh, self-made artists that inspire a lot of younger people that are in the hip hop and rap industry that are, that are, whereas rock artists are not going to have that same effect on, on young people, whereas they did on our, our parents' generation. Um, I think rock's only going to survive in niche pockets. Uh, the ones that we talked about, the indie rush, like people with th- those kinds of sounds, there's always going to be, uh, there's always going to be a scene for that. I think in, in the college scene right. and just in the, the 18 to 35 year old uh, demographic, like I just fans yep. like uh, Mac DeMarco 
uh, Father John Misty, Arcade Fire. There's always going to be people that, that show up for these kinds of bands that, that stay true to their sound and they're just very weird and out there. They're, they're, there's always going to be a show up for that. Um, and again, like we were talking about, there's the, the, only, the only remnants of the true rock that we see are these indestructibles that have been here for so long that they're not gonna they're not gonna leave until like they literally die. <laughs> I think I think Foo Fighters is a, a perfect example of that. I think they they've stayed true <laughs> to their sound for thirty years and have and they know who they yeah. are and they've perfected and crafted that sound. The, the where they they've had a hold on their fans for so long that they're not they, there's no reason to change. Uh, Pearl Jam's is also a very good example of that too, where they've it's like a remnant of the grunge rock era where they've they've been together for so long that they've perfected who they're supposed to be, and, and they've had this massive encyclopedia of discography for for their older fans to kind of delve into, where they they don't need a change. They 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 know who they are. Again, like. Rolling, the Rolling Stones have been here for like 150 years. They're not going to suddenly go to pop rock. I think they've 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 done everything at this point. They <laughs> like bands like that will stay will stay prevalent, but just in, in lower volumes. Um, and then we were talking about uh, bands who who stick with their craft. I think we're uh, Weezer is actually a great example. I'm glad you brought them up. Uh, because they were actually a band that I that I'd forgotten about like mentioning because yeah. they've been just a, a constant uh, of their sound for like the last twenty years and they've just been just a generally good band to see live and to to hear on a record and they're they're another group where they they don't really need to tinker their sound too much to 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 gain more attraction I think they they have old and young fans that are able to listen to their sound in a very consistent way. And then, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and, and then there's one other one that you put on here as well that I I think we need to mention arcade fire. Um, there's one, one distinct memory in my head, at least is, um, kind of in that same period that I mentioned when, when alternative indie right. rock music started yeah. on the radio, uh, Arcade Fire won the Grammy for Best yeah. Album or was, Album uh, of the Year. Yeah. Um, I want to say like 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. And I'll always remember that they, so they went bizarre. on stage and like nobody knew who they were. And it was so bizarre. And then and then they, they played like during the credits for the whole Grammys. They, they played... Um, yeah, uh, was, ready to start. called? Uh, time to Start? No, Start yeah. something. Right. Uh, Ready to start. Ready to start. That's what it was. They played Ready to Start, and then and I was like, "This is so cool! Like they're awesome." I had heard of them before, and I was like, "Yeah, this, this is an, an amazing moment." Like national television, the Grammys, right. the biggest night in music, right? And there's this rock band playing the like the end of the show is awesome. Um, and then so yeah, they're definitely a, a, a band that we have to mention in there, and they've done a, a, a good job of staying true to themselves, but at the same time. Um, not reinventing but you know adding things in delving like uh maturing as they as they make new records as well getting a a more mature sound and just kind of oh yeah really completely i think what they've already they're they're a group where they they there's a lot of a lot of people in the band there's like at least 78 people in in the arcade fire yeah, exactly. 80, yeah, they have like a whole. They yeah, have a whole I, I, country I, think, I think they're up to like eighty-eight or something. Uh, now, yeah. But they have they have enough voices and they have enough sounds where they can 
yeah they can be yep. creative and they can add new things in there and 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 that's part of the I don't want to say gimmick, but that's part of their brand. I think is that they, there are so many people that they're involved in the creative sound of who they are that they mm-hmm. can they can make different albums and then still have that fan base. I, I think the the coolest jump they had was from the suburbs, which is one of my favorite albums. Like uh, uh, one of my favorite indie albums when I was like we were going through high school. I think it was the same for you. We were all we were all listening to it at the same time, but uh, it was a very like folk folky Americana like type of indie rock that they right. made with the suburbs then they jump to reflector which in my which in my opinion just totally does a 180 in terms of what reflector. their sound is and it's just like a completely different band but in yeah. in a good way in a positive way where they they're creative with their sound and um i think i think yeah yeah i, I feel like arcade fire right. was one of the few bands that was able to cross over from my high school to college days. Cause like I listened to suburbs during high school and then my fresh, our freshman year in college was when reflector came out. Right. And my friends up at BYU were also listening to reflector. And I was like, Oh cool. Like we have that in common. Like it's actually like a big deal here too. Uh, and that, that kind of reminds me, it goes back to what we were talking about, like uh, college towns, yeah. how, how college towns are one of these places where uh, indie music can still thrive. And I find that really interesting. Like, because you know, I don't know, uh, not to bring back like the uh, diversity demographic type conversation, but I think it's interesting that in right. college towns like Austin and Provo, and then you look at like P- Portland, for example, that like they have right. good music scenes for rock, but they also they're more white dominant cities, white uh, white dominated um, colleges, for example. Maybe not so much with UT, but and obviously at BYU, you know, it's a very very homogenous type environment. But yeah. they've also had great bands come through. Come through there. Uh, uh, Neon Tree started in in Provo. Imagine Dragons started in Provo, um, and obviously they've evolved into other things as well. But there's there's a pretty pretty strong rock scene there. So I think that's really interesting. That like that's kind of like these hotbeds where rock is right. still managed to kind of right. thrive I, I is, think I just, is where maybe there's not as still, much diversity. I, think, <laughs> I don't um, know. They might be wrong. Specifically, uh, college demographics. Are, are are at least veered towards this kind of sound like there's a lot of just garage indie rock yeah. that, that's come out uh, i want a band that i mentioned parky courts have, have created their have created their following out of these places and out of these small pockets and they're successful going mm. jumping from city to city because there's this this young group of, of college people that still enjoy these kinds of music i i think as a young adult, both of us as young adults, who I think we can uh, appreciate, and as rock fans, we can appreciate that it's still pretty per- uh, permeable uh, these these types of sounds. But I just think, especially rock, they, uh, it won't have the same uh, least hold on on a mass um, a mass macro scale of, of consumers of music. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, but uh, there there are I think artists no, that sure. will yeah, adapt no, I, I and survive. Do. Uh, they won't have the same success, obviously, as like a hip hop artist would be. But I think uh, Gary Clark Jr. was like an Austin, Austin born uh, blues guitarist <clears throat> that uh, over mm-hmm. the last like 10 years has been completely textbook blues, but has also incorporated some some R&B and soul and hip hop into his music. And I think that's made him relatively successful, especially in the Texas community. Um, Gorillas is like uh, again we were talking about earlier is like another one of those bands that, that are, are going to be able to experiment with their sound and still be cool because that's become their brand is that they become, they can adapt 
uh, their their quote unquote rock sound into a multiplaceted form, you know. No, totally, and right. obviously it helps with gorillas that they don't have to worry about multiple personalities. There are a bunch of different people in the band. People right. getting old, people wanting to leave, people with different uh, different ideas, different priorities, and stuff like that. So, you know, I I almost wonder like. <laughs> That's kind of uh, yeah. why yeah. I mentioned that gorillas should be able to thrive during quarantine because, like, it's one guy, right? They, they, they could they could literally post music videos and concerts yeah. of their cartoons online, and nobody would have to go to any kind of venue to see. Yeah. It. So I think that's really interesting. I wonder. I wonder if we'll see more gorillas type bands pop up here, with, uh, right. yeah. with like it, single, just like it's one so person and, people and just like making some of all the music videos that they they put out in, like the it's, last few months. It's definitely it's possible. Literally just Damon Albarn just like making music, and then and then ja- Jamie Hewlett is like the artist who made who made the band of the gorillas, made the animations, and it's just them two just messing around in like a closet space, just making music. Right. They like those people, ironically, are going to survive in like this weird space. Yeah, because you're right. They don't really need a tour to, to to have their influence on people and and have their their sound being promoted. Because the the big part, the big brand of Gorillas is that they're like these guys are fictional. It's a fictional band. It's a fictional band. They, you know that they can thrive anywhere. They're they're fluid. Yeah, no, it's it's very very true. I'm currently <laughs> watching my neighbor try, oh, to, no. try to get a kite out of a tree in my yard. There are riots. I'm not sure what's going on out riots. there. They're taking riots advantage of, of the, the high the high winds. Oh my gosh, right so crazy. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but no, I think I think it's definitely true, and I, I really do hope that um, you know I, I agree. Rock rock isn't dead. Um, I hope that people are able to appreciate it for years to come that you know these bands that new bands can be created that they can bring new sounds that they can incorporate old uh old sounds as well into their oh music. my gosh um and hopefully we can get out of quarantine soon so i'm there with you show. i don't I haven't I been to a concert in like remember the two last years now it's been so long been since i've been to a show i think i, th- I think the last one the last oh, wow. band that i went to see was probably uh young the giant actually and then I, I I saw a few smaller bands. My my roommate at, up at BYU, Grant, he was in a bunch of bands locally, and so I went to some of their smaller shows. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, other than that, it's been forever. So hopefully we get out of here yeah, soon, just, so yeah. I can you I can get the, my rock. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My, my, yeah what I what I need, you know. No, I think I actually I do I think get I do my remember. rock on. So I remember going to a Freddie Gibbs concert. I think it was <laughs> the last the last like. A month before, like all this stuff started happening, Ooh. I went to go see Freddie Gibbs. Uh, I think in in downtown Austin. But that was like a hip hop, hip hop, uh, a, a hip hop uh, concert. I haven't actually been to a rock concert in a long, long time. I think it was like, yeah, go. Wow! I think the last, <laughs> wow. sure last hip hop oh concert God. I went that's to when was they were beating people up Rabbit. in San Antonio. I think wasn't it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That was, <laughs> the the cr- that was yeah. an absolute trip. Yeah, there were there was <laughs> there was like a kid who went up on stage oh, and got no. they got taken oh. got taken backstage and got beat up by their bouncers and stuff. It was, it was a bad situation. Rest in peace. But it was, it was yeah, crazy honestly, it was like, rest in peace. The White Rabbit is fascinating. In fact, we we could do a whole podcast on the White Rabbit. It's like because, Paper Tiger because yeah. it's gone from it's gone from like uh, it's not even called White Rabbit anymore. It's called Paper Tiger. But before that, 
so like right screamo hardcore music was like the only thing that bands wanted to do in san antonio for some reason and so the, the white rabbit was like the screamo venue but then it kind of started right. out, so they had to bring in different bands they brought in like a bunch of like 80s has-beens for a while and then and then they they brought in right. the future towards the end of their time which is like it was a weird experience because it was like a punk rock environment but with rap music and then and then they totally revamped and now they're paper tiger and i think they have like indie bands there now so it's yeah like for a sure totally I, different you're, it's so funny that you but brought it's, that it's, up it's, it's changed yeah, the times actually, according to the white what people rabbit, are into i guess and especially in the perspective of san antonio which i think uh, is predominantly run by like uh like heavy metal like tastes and like fast-paced stuff and like and very very emo and hard rock uh demographics right because I think the only thing that San Antonio holds is like the rodeo <laughs> and then like Ozfest, the Alamo, Big Red, and um, Fiesta, <laughs> the Alamo, and then Ozfest when it was like still like back in its heyday. Fiesta. So there was just like a weird like group of just, there was a crazy big demographic oh, yeah. of just San Antonian natives that were just listening to hard rock stuff. And White Rabbit was like the epicenter of all that really cool emo rock that was coming in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure we could call it an epicenter. It was more like a, there. like a yeah. like a hole, like know, a black hole. Rest in peace. But yeah, really. Anyway, I, so I think okay. I, I think this app actually cuts us off at two hours. So I think I think I might have to end it here soon. Yeah, um, man. But dude, this has been quite the conversation. I'm glad we talked. It's been we've gone through a lot of different stuff. But I feel I feel like honestly, like at the end, the the, the main idea we've gotten to is that. The bands have to stay authentic to who they are, um, and then d- develop. You know, try right. to try to bring in new stuff, but not right. to sell out. And, yeah. but rather to expand on the natural direction that they've already been going in. Um, and and I think I feel like so much of it has to do with like the young people and what young people are into at that time. For sure. And you know, young people now are yeah. into rap music, so that's where we're at. But appreciate you coming on, Antoine. I've got like eight seconds, but guys, check out Turner Time. Check out Anthony on Twitter. I'll tag him. See you.